If you're wanting to amp up your motivation or learn some of the most powerful tools and info when it comes to getting the most out of your own mindset, then I'm running a free five-day motivation reboot challenge. It's only one hour per day over five days and is absolutely free and exclusive for my community. So if you're wanting to get more motivated and learn how to get the best out of yourself and your mindset, then register for my upcoming Motivation Reboot Challenge. The free link is on my Michael Mojo Facebook page. I've also dropped an extra bonus on my Facebook page for all those out there who are wanting to get the most out of their mindset. I look forward to seeing you in my free challenge. You've got to get out there and, and you have to figure out how to do the best that you can do and keep yourself in balance. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I talk about the many lessons, learnings, and tools that I've learned along my journey from being the private mindset and mental performance coach to rich listers, successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, and more, all while running business and personal performance events for tens of thousands of people who want to get the best out of themselves and their lives. This is my way of helping more people to excel in life, build successful empires, and be the best that they can be. I hope you share and enjoy. Driven mofos. I'm going to share with you a special episode of the One Talk podcast today with host Ryan McCarthy. So recently I was on his podcast. He asked me a whole host of questions in regard to success, achieving more, my life, self-sabotage patterns, procrastination, destructive behavior. We went down the rabbit hole. So I hope you enjoy this episode. This is part two of a four-part series. Remember to share this episode if you enjoy it. That's an epic perspective too, because that's triggered a lot of train of thought within my own mind to think about this new perspective on what self-sabotage is and how it leads to your highest core values. And for the people listening here too, if there if there's someone sitting here, I know a lot of people have been at this point uh, some, um, and go, I don't know what my values are. Oh, how can people identify that? Um, there's a few different ways, like there's different values tests online. Um, what I will say is you've got to be careful because what most people think about values are social ideals. And social ideals are things like kindness, happiness, um, joy, mm. like they're, they're emotional states. What the fuck are those things? Like yeah, values are physical, tangible things. And the field of study of values is actually called axiology. Mm. Axiology focuses on two main key um, fields, economics and philosophy. Philosophy asks the questions, where do I feel the most valuable as a person? That's philosophy. Then this, the economics part of the question is, where am I the most valuable in society? Hmm. So for me personally, I make the most money teaching, coaching, and I've, I've seen thousands of coaches over the last 11 years that I've been specifically in coaching. Um, and even when I was a personal trainer, I saw thousands of personal trainers come into the industry and go. Yeah. And and the thing is that a lot of people, I, I mean, I've, I've, over the years, I've had a lot of people come to my events, want to try and be me. They try to copy me. They try to steal clients. They steal my work mm. and shit. But the thing is, they're not going to win. Yeah. They can't yeah. win because they're, they're trying to compete with me within my own values. They're trying to run in my lane. All that happens is they're just going to trip and fall. Mm. So my values dictate how I operate. And, you know, like I said before, my good friend is Dr. John D. Martini. Um, and so, you know, like we both have a, our highest value is teaching, coaching and educating and, and learning. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met, but we've got different skill sets. Like my second highest value is, is the, the connection and the leadership part. He doesn't have that part. So for him, he, he can do it, 
but he can't do it for long periods of time where I can go out and meet like anyone. And so I just talk to people randomly and all that sort of stuff. And mm. I, I naturally just want to help people through my conversation because I meet a lot of people. So my values dictate both my fulfillment. They dictate how successful I'm going to be at the fields that I choose, how consistent I'm going to be. Like if I have a full week of coaching, like I've got a seven day leadership course that I run. Mm. After that seven days, I'm like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to see anyone because that value is maxed. Yeah. Two days later, my brain's like, right, how do we start coaching people? Like I noticed myself starting to coach my wife with things like she'll be making a coffee. And I'm like, oh, honey, can you just do it like this? And can you just add this in? And she's like, stop coaching me. And I'm like, sorry, because I've <laughs> got to get back to it. Like my brain's saying that mm. value is, it was full. Now it's starting to become empty. Go back and do that thing. Mm. So coming back to the, the question about values, how do you discover your own values? You've got to make sure that you're not thinking about social idealisms like kindness and happiness and joy and all that stuff because they're yeah. emotional states and they're idealisms. Real values are physical, tangible things that you work towards within your own life. The word fulfillment essentially means to fill up. Mm. So there's an emptiness or an insecurity that you have within <laughs> your own life that you're trying to fulfill. So for me, growing up, I didn't feel smart enough. I was put into special classes, you know, the whole, you probably have dyslexia, mm. attention deficit disorder, all that shit. Yeah. I was put into special classes. So I had this emptiness within my own life of feeling like I wasn't smart enough. Yeah. That forces me to go and learn and to grow and to be better. I was also picked on for being the poor kid at school because my parents, <laughs> my dad worked two jobs. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. My parents couldn't afford basketball shoes when I started playing basketball. So I had like $20 basketball shoes when everyone else had like Nikes and Reeboks and shit. So I felt massively insecure around money, which is why now it's a higher value of mine like business because it's probably me trying to make up for that insecurity as a child. Yeah. Also, I was a fat chubby kid with red hair, freckles. And I in grade five swimming class, I was the only kid to wear a t-shirt at the swimming <clears throat> at the swimming, swimming carnival. Yeah. So at 14, I started training and got my first gym membership. Ever since then, I've trained almost every day. Mm. I, I couldn't tell you the last time I went a week without training. Like I love training. I love physical movement. But it's based on that insecurity that I had as a child, which then becomes a value. So it creates an emptiness, like an empty cup that I'm trying to fill up on. Mm. When I fill up that cup, that we call that fulfillment. <laughs> so should I work on those values every day? Like right now, I'm teaching, learning, so I feel filled. Yeah. I will go back after this and I'll work on the business. I've got my personal trainer coming later, so I'll go and train. Mm. if I can set up my day based on my values at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, I crushed this day. I'm, I'm loving life. Yeah. I'm also taking on challenges to be better and to push myself. And that's called growth. Mm. So when we're looking at values, first of all, you've got to understand that values are physical, tangible things, not wishful thinking and, and emotional states. They're actually things that we can work towards and achieve mm. that aren't momentary, like emotions, emotions are momentary. They come and go happiness, it can be here one second, go on the next. Sadness can be here one second, go on the next. Joy, you can be joyful and then the next second you're depressed. Like yeah. they're emotional states. So that's that's not the thing that we're looking for. That's number one. Number two is that your life demonstrates your values. It's just, mm. you don't know it. So let's go back to that mum. That mum's working. She prioritizes the gym and she's she's at work, goes to the gym after work, but now her kids are sick. So she goes back to her highest priority in life, which is family. That's because they're important. Now, I have parents who come to my events all the time. They're like, yeah, but you've got to look after your kids. And I'm like, no, you don't. There are fucking people around the world who throw their kids in a dumpster when they're mm. born. 
Now you might want to, you might not want to admit that to yourself because that feels pretty morbid. And it's like, you, you'd go, I don't know how any parent could kill their own child. But the truth is people do because they have no value on that child whatsoever. Zero value. Mm. There are people out there who have zero value on their own health. They're right now, they're overweight, they're obese, they've got heart disease, they've got diabetes, and they've had a fucking leg amputated. And they're lining up at Macca's right now to go and get their breakfast. And then they're going to walk across and get a, a block of chocolate and eat that while they're watching TV for the rest of the day. Yeah. Now, you might judge them and go, I don't know how anyone can do that. But that's because you have a high value on health. They don't. Mm. For everyone who has a high value on their health, there's someone else who probably has a low value on their health. So some people don't give a shit about money. Some people, it's it's really important to them. Some people don't care about business. Other people do. That's what makes the world go around. But a lot of people say things like, yeah, but you've got to, you've got to look after your health. No, you don't. It's just, you're telling yourself that it's a high priority because it's a high value. Mm. And you can't understand how somebody else could do that. Parents who have a high value can't understand how someone can mistreat their kids. But the truth is there's plenty of people all around the world who mistreat their kids every fucking day. Yeah. You just could never do it because it's a high value. I used to walk around saying to people, you know, the most important thing that you can do is learn because the more that you learn, the better life becomes. But that's because it's a high value of mine. Mm. So that's where we're projecting values onto other people. So if you look at your life, your life actually demonstrates your values. It's just a matter of clarifying them now. Yeah. So if you look, what I normally do at my events is I get people to write down their week. And I say, is that a typical week? And so if you have a look, someone goes to work Monday to Friday, they work until five o'clock, they go home, they spend time with family. They might go to the gym twice a week. But essentially those time frames are blocked out in their values. Mm. But then what happens is people don't want those to be their values because they're living with implanted values. Like the amount of people I meet and they're like, yeah, but I don't want to work. I don't enjoy my job. And I'm like, well, don't. And they're like, yeah, but you got to work. And I'm like, no, you don't. Just go on the dole. Just hang out, chill out, do fuck all with your life. Mm. Ah, you got to work. What they're saying is I could not imagine life without a career. So that's a high value to them. It's just, they don't want to admit it because they're living with fantasies. They've got some delusion in their head about how life should be. And so they're trying to live up to a fantasy that fantasy doesn't match their current reality, which then makes them feel like shit about their career. Mm. Okay. It comes down to expectations as well, especially expectations of other people and their own values getting pushed onto yourself. Mm -hmm. I have it all the time. People say, Michael, you work too much. And I'm like, listen, I work too much compared to you. Yeah. What you're saying is you could not work the amount of hours that I work because you would find it unfulfilling. Mm. I find it fulfilling. I train most days for like, anywhere between an hour to three hours a day. Like some days I'll go and do jujitsu and then I'll go and do a weight session. Yeah. I train quite a lot because I enjoy it and it, it helps me to sort of calm my energy down that I have, that over excessive energy sometimes. Mm. So I like training like that. Some people are like, oh man, you're probably overtraining. You're probably overcooking it. If I don't do that, I end up the opposite where I just sit on the couch and I'll binge eat chocolate while I'm watching shitty TV that I, and then three days later I hate myself and then I go back into the gym because I feel guilty. Yeah. So it's pushing me back to my values anyway. I'd rather just train. Hmm. So when people come up and they say, you should do this, they're projecting their values onto me. When someone says you work too much, they're saying, if I was you and I was living your life, I would hate it because that's too much work for me. Hmm. It's like that same perception as projection. That's exactly what it is, right? Like, hmm. you know, parents, I hear people say, you know, you, you spend too much on your kids. What they're really saying is if I were you, I wouldn't spend that much money on my kids because they're not as high value as yours. When yeah. you understand that's what people are saying, you just stay in your own lane. You're like, yeah, cool. I get it. Thanks. I appreciate it. 
Mm. Heaps of people think my life's out of balance. You know, one day you're going to regret the life that you've got. I'm like, motherfucker, I live a better life than you. I yeah. wake up every morning and I'm pumped. That's the thing. It works for you because it's aligned to your values. And I understand that with myself as well because people look at me and what I do and they think you're always on a mission to do something. Like, do you ever rest? Do you ever sit down? Do you ever watch TV? I'm like, yeah, every now and then I do it. But it's not my core value to sit around. Like I love being productive and doing things that fulfill me every single day. Uh, if I sit down and watch TV, I will feel fucking drained of energy. But if I'm yeah. up and running an event, if I'm up doing the podcast, whatever I'm doing, I'm full of energy and I'm ready to go. And if I consistently do that, I always feel great long-term as well. Like I said, it's just identifying what works for you and sticking with that. And then other people's projections that they put onto you, just look at that and think, cool, that's their own values getting pushed onto me. And I don't have to take that on. That's just their perception. Yeah, that's that's all it is. Like I think the more, what, what I have learned, and I could be wrong with this, but what I've learned is that the more that I learn about myself and the clearer I become, the easier it is to navigate life. Mm. And the more successful that I've become and the, the more you know, I've become a leader, the more people project shit onto you. So yeah. every day I get social media um, messages. You swear too much. You should do this. Your event should be cheaper. You shouldn't charge so much. If you cared about people, you wouldn't. And I'm like, why don't you run events? Why don't yeah. you do that? Why don't you get on podcasts and swear less? Like you do, you do you like, yeah. thanks. I appreciate your message, but I ain't going to be you. Yeah. So leave me the fuck alone to do my thing and to run in my lane. Mm. If you run in my lane, I will kick your feet out from underneath you so that you trip over and get out of my fucking way. Cause you're just standing in front of me trying to stall me, get yeah. out of my way. But if you want to align with me and you want to run next to me in your own lane, cool. I'll hold your hand and, and I'll pull you along. Like, let's go. Mm. You know, I think one of the greatest things that I learned many, many years ago, and I, I was thinking about this because I was—I'm a bit of a weird person. Like, I observe, I observe shit, and then I try and find the science behind it. But yeah. I just remember watching a car drive across a bunch of leaves, and I realized it was like my friends. When I was younger, I always used to try to help my friends, and I would stand behind them and try to push them along. Bad mm. strategy, and I—I I see people do it all the time. You know, they're in a relationship, and they'll say, "Oh, you know." I would love to come and do one of your events, but you know, I, I need to convince my wife. Like I really need to get my wife along or I need to get my husband along. I'm like, look, stop. You can't even make a decision for yourself. Yeah. What sort of a leader are you? I wouldn't, if I was your partner, I wouldn't do the event with you because you're essentially trying to change me when you won't even fucking change yourself and take responsibility for that shit. Mm. And so I say to them, you do it first and let your, let your walk become your talk. So you show them what it looks like and I guarantee you they'll be there in the next couple of years. Yeah. But if you tell them to do it, you're standing behind them trying to push them because you want them to lead because you won't lead. Mm. So I realized that if you watch cars drive over leaves, when they drive over the pile of leaves, the first thing that happens is a whole bunch of leaves get, you know, um, and spat, spat up behind the car. Yeah. But the faster the car drives, the more it creates a vacuum. And that vacuum pulls the leaves behind the car. And there'll be a big bunch of leaves that tumble behind the car as the car's driving. Then there'll be like another group of leaves that sort of tumble behind, but they're a little bit slower. Mm. Then you see, then as the vacuum goes and the car's gone, even a minute after the car's driven over the leaves, you'll see a couple of little small leaves just bouncing along the ground, right? Because that vacuum is still there, just pulling it along a little bit. Mm. What I realized is when you stop the car, no leaves, no leaves move whatsoever. There's no movement. Yeah. So in my life, all I do is I just go flat out and create enough of a vacuum that if people want to come on the journey, 
they will just be pulled into the vacuum behind me and I'll be able to help them move forward. Mm. But the day that I stop is the day that they stop. Mm. So all I do in my life is I just try to live my life in my own lane and I go flat out as fast as what I want. Like some days, you know, yesterday I just chilled all day. Um, but you know, there are other days I, I'm pretty adaptable. Like I don't have rules about, I need to do all this shit and I need to have a morning routine. Like I, I pretty much do what I want every day, as long as it gets the best out of me. Yeah. The best out of me is sleep. And there's a um, question that came up from before that reminded me of something you said on another podcast. And you said that everyone has insecurities, but constantly giving away signals. So how can people identify their own signals from their insecurities that they have so they can work on them? The more you work on yourself, the more you see everyone else's insecurities, which then makes you realize that everyone has them. So it doesn't matter. The, in yeah. fact, the toughest people that I've ever come across are normally the most insecure. Mm. So you've got a persona, which is your mask that you wear. Okay, The mask that you wear is the external mask that you're trying to create to please others. That's mm. called your persona. Then you've got your personality, which is who you believe you are on the inside. So you can have the best body and you can show that. And so you'll be on Instagram showing how amazing you are and you'll have your bum out, your boobs out, your six pack and whatever. That's your persona. But on the inside, you may still feel like shit about yourself and still think that your body's gross. Mm. The bigger the gap between the persona and the personality, the more mental health problems someone will have. Yeah. The closer the mask and the closer the, 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 the sorry, the person, the persona and the personality, the more congruent someone lives. So I try to be as congruent as I can. Now that doesn't always mean that I am like there's, there's sometimes there's a different mask. Like sometimes I go and meet people that are a politician or something like that. And I'll, I'll hold off on the swearing a little bit. Mm. That's I'm just adapting for that environment because there's something I'm trying to get out of that environment or whatever. But the, the bigger the gap, the worse a person is. Right. So like, yeah. If you are spending every cent you have trying to look rich, but on the inside, you know, you're poor, that's going to cause massive mental health issues. And I've seen people suicidal like that. Mm. Um, so trying to look rich uh, when you're not, when you don't have money is a really bad idea. Just like, mm. you know, smiling all the time on Instagram and showing off your body and being half naked all the time when you feel insecure about how your body feels is probably one of the worst things because you're going to get people who criticize and judge you. Yeah. And, and that's never going to change. Like we're in a society now where we're trying to cotton wool everybody. Mm. I get judged all the fucking time. I mean, I drive around in supercars and, and you watch little kids stand on the side of the road and they wave and they smile and they're like, hey, and they like last night I was out and I reckon probably I met maybe 30 people because I was just sitting there. I was with one of my mates who's out drinking most of the day and I said, I'll come pick you up. And I was just driving around the area. So I went and picked him up and we went to the pub. And I was just going to get a feed and, and people were always around the car and, mm. um, you know, they, they would sort of like, they go, oh, is this your car? And then, so I'd open it up and I'd let them look at it and things like that. But at the same time, for every person that, that is inspired by that car, someone else thinks that I'm a dickhead or that I rip people off or that I'm a scammer or that I'm a drug dealer. Like, mm. we, you know, just watching how people react to money and, and someone else's success is really interesting because it really mm. brings out a lot of insecurities for people. Mm. Um, and so th they're going to justify why I've got what I've got in whatever way fits whatever. Like if someone's insecure, they're like, oh, he's probably a drug dealer. Or he probably ripped people off. He's probably a scammer. I bet he did crypto. Like they're all trying yeah. to figure it out. Like, you know, I don't, but so my point is that if you don't, everyone has insecurities and those insecurities are based on their values. So when someone says to me, you're shit and you're dumb and you don't understand any of this stuff, that's probably one of my greatest weaknesses because I try to bridge the gap in my knowledge also like my second highest value of social connection so when someone says you know you don't give a shit about people that hurts 
that hurt well it, it does in a way but i've come to realize that that's just them projecting but yeah. for a long, long time that used to hurt a lot because that's the area where i'm most insecure because that's the areas that i feel are most important to me mm. if someone came up to me and said michael you're a really shitty dad you don't look after your kids i'm like i don't even have any kids you fucking peanut <laughs> so i don't care yeah so things that are of low value we don't we don't have those insecurities but things that are a high value tend to, we tend to be the most insecure around mm. so the insecurity actually drives the need to want to fulfill that value so it's a very fine line like we're always I, I all humans are trying to walk a fine line between their insecurity giving them drive to want to close that gap and make them less insecure or it pushes them over the edge and just makes them fall to bits yeah so like if i Normally, if you have a look at how someone operates, you can tell a lot about them just based on their insecurity. So like if I meet someone who dresses really, really well, I know that their insecurity is probably their physical appearance. Mm. If I meet someone who's a gym junkie, I know that probably one of their biggest insecurities is their body image and the way that they look. Yeah. If I meet someone who is a very successful business owner and they make a lot of money, I know that their insecurity is probably money and wealth creation mm. because the value drives insecurity. So it's a really good way. That's... That's why I can go up and just talk to anyone now. I never used to. I used to be a really shy person because um, I was picked on so much as a kid. But over the years, I've learned to just go up and talk to everybody because every person, when you normally meet them, in most cases, they're normally thinking about what you're thinking about them. Yeah. And if you think about what they're thinking about you and you think about what they're thinking about them, no one connects. So if I just walk up and start talking to someone, they're freaking out because they're like, shit, what's this guy think about me? Mm. But I'm, not, I'm just thinking about connecting. Yeah. So, you know, and then once you connect with them and everything's cool, then it's fine. But also like I, when I worked in the gym, I used to have a lot of the bikies and stuff like that. I used to train their girlfriends and their wives and sometimes their wives and their girlfriends um, <laughs> secretly. Um, but um, they were also good payers because they'd always pay in cash. Um, but my point is like for those, for a lot of those guys, they were really insecure about a lot of things. Mm. And I knew it, even though they were huge and roided up and looked really aggressive and they could probably pop my head like a pimple if mm. they wanted to and do a lot of harm to me. I still knew that that reaction that they had was based on their insecurities because they didn't want to be seen as weak. That's why they were tough. They didn't want to be seen as small and fragile, which is why they were why they were massive. Like you start seeing this in people and you just realize that everyone's dealing with their own insecurities. Just get the fuck on with life and stop worrying about them. Hey, Driven Mofos, if you ever want to have the video version of this podcast, which usually has more effects, visuals, graphs, and helps you to retain more of the information that I share, then check out my YouTube channel. I also share bonus in-depth training behind the scenes from some of our live events, plus interviews from some of the country's most successful people. So if you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, then check it out via the link in the description of the podcast. Remember to subscribe to get the latest stuff. And in terms of growth in your own life, probably from the start to where you are now and continuing on from now going forward, do you think it's very important to have a mentor in life or someone you can gain guidance from and ask the right questions to? Um, I think that it's stupid not to. Yeah, agreed. Like, I mean, you can only, you'll figure everything out, right? And I, I, every week I'm on the phones, especially to business owners. Like I work with a lot of business owners these days and a lot of them are tradies. Hmm. So I meet, I, I talk to people every week and they're like, you know, I've got 10 staff. I've got a plumbing business. And I'm like, cool. So why did you put any details into our, you know, whatever, like downloading something, whether it be like a a, a, a planner or something, whatever, or, mm. or like um, some of our work around hiring staff and getting good staff and how to manage staff and all that. 
And they're like, they will talk for a little bit about, you know, how shit their business is. And then when it comes time to make a decision, you watch them backtrack. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. You know, I just need time to think about it. And I just like, I got to go and ask like 15 other people and, and you just listen to them and fuck around. Right. Yeah. And, and they fuck around because they don't want to make a decision because that decision's on them and they want to blame somebody else. They want to blame the economy, like business owners at the moment, you can't find good stuff. And I'm like, you can find good staff because good staff are looking for good businesses. The truth is you've just got a shit business. Mm. Your business is the same as everyone else. Like your, your John's plumbing. What's the difference between John's plumbing, Rick's plumbing, Steve's plumbing, James plumbing. Like you're all the same. Your yeah. promotional material is all the same. Your business model is all the same. Let me guess. You go and hang out at the pub after work on a Friday with all other tradies and you all talk about how shit staff are. Mm. Of course your staff are going to be shit because you're not learning anything different. And even if you've got, let's say you've got a mentor who is a plumber also, and they've got 30 staff and they've been in the industry for 30 years. That's all okay. But if they're still complaining about the same problems you have, they're probably not going to be able to help you too much. All you're looking at is yourself in 30 years. That's it. Yeah. And I, you know, the amount of trade-based businesses that I speak to these days and all of them complain about how shit staff are. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do about it? Like build a better business. There's a huge opportunity there for you to create a great culture, which is like a magnet that attracts great staff. Mm. I worked with a building company only recently and they said, can't get good staff. They all overpaid. What we looked at was like, who's their perfect staff member? And they were a carpenter who is fit, who goes to the gym, who has a young family, all of that. They don't want to go out drinking after work. They'd rather go to the gym. So what we did was we wrote a job ad and then put it in gyms around the area and said, is this you? And what they found was they, they ended up attracting super driven guys who wanted to start work early, finish mm. work early so that they could go to the gym and then be home for, you know, an early dinner or whatever with their family. They, that was like a completely different marketing strategy, which no one thinks about because they're exactly. all thinking about how shit staff are. And, and it's just most business owners play this victim mentality and then they wonder why they can't get ahead. Mm. How do you think you can create a, a healthy culture within the work environment? Um, it's it's not so much what I think, it's what I know now. Yeah. If In order to create a great culture, the, the culture is the fundamental principle of business, full stop. Mm. When you look at most businesses, they normally start because someone sees a gap in the market or they worked for somebody else and thought, you know, I'm going to go out on my own because I can make more money. But when you do that, your focus becomes sales, money, and delivery. Mm. And so they're the only three areas that most business owners focus on, especially tradies. So they will go, okay, if I can sell enough work and I can do the job, then I can make more money. Yeah. But then what they don't realize is that you've got taxation, you've got accounting, you've got legal, you've got all these other areas, you've got marketing. And so after a while, they become hugely bottlenecked. Then they go, you know, I'm going I'm to bring on another plumber or another tradie. So then they hire someone else that they know and they bring them on. So there's no proper hiring process. There's no proper strategy for implementation. Then they've now got a, a sort of a mate who they work with who doesn't really want their own business, but at the same time, they're thinking about going and starting their own business. And so they, you're working together and things mm. are going all right, but there's some fuck ups and some mistakes. And then eventually you go, you know what, I'll get an apprentice because I can make some more money off of them. But you don't realize that there's a whole bunch of training and development and they're going to make heaps of mistakes and it's going to cost the business some, some money and a lot of time. Mm. So now the owner is getting frustrated. They're like, shit, we've got to get all this work out, but customers are pissed off because there's mistakes. And so now they feel trapped and they're frustrated and they, they get snappy at the stuff that they've got.
but they're still doing it okay and more work's coming in. So they go, we'll go hire another couple of staff members. Now mm. they've got five to 10 staff. They're super frustrated. They feel like the staff that they got are all idiots and jerks and you know, no one thinks through anything and no one can figure shit out themselves. But at the same time, there's no leadership, there's no management, there's no processes, and there's actually no business owner. Yeah. Right? So th they essentially now have culture by default. The culture is just whatever the culture is. Mm. So boss gets to work, ah, oh, fucking John's an idiot, he's a dickhead. And then so their staff start running around, oh, this guy fucked this up and this guy's a wanker. And so it just reinforces this really shitty culture of negativity and everyone pointing out people's problems. And, and it's just, it's such a shitty toxic culture. And then mm. they go, I can't find good stuff. Well, of course you can't find good stuff because good stuff don't want to work for your shitty business with a shitty culture. Yeah. So in order to then change that, the first thing you've got to do is go back to the most fundamental things of human behavior. And mm. this is the same for people, right? People and business, same thing. You need to have a long-term mission. Why are you here? Right? So if you can't, if I ask a business owner, why does your business exist? And you say money, you're already fucked. Because yeah. money is the exchange of value. So if you don't know what your business is there for and its point of difference in the marketplace, you can't effectively market. You can't effectively sell. You All you're doing is you're essentially price competing now with your competitors. Mm. Okay, And that's it. And, and you ask a business owner, they're like, oh yeah, but we're better. We'll explain how. Let's go have a look at your Facebook page. Let's have a look at your marketing. Let's have a look at what your staff think. I guarantee you're not. I guarantee you think you are, but I guarantee you're not. Yeah. Because the marketplace can't differentiate the difference between your business and their business. So you've got to have a clear long-term mission. You've got to have a clear long-term vision. If I'm, if I'm going to dedicate the next 10 years of my life, you better sell to me as the business owner how I'm going to get growth and how I'm going to achieve what I want in life. Mm. Like if I'm a marketer and I want to go and work for, let's say, Bob's Plumbing, yeah. Bob better now explain to me how the next 10, year of my life, 10 years of my life that I'm going to dedicate to your business how you're going to give me what I want in life. Mm. Now, most business owners don't think like this because they're arrogant and they're fucking ignorant and they just go, oh, well, I pay them. Like, cool, but you're going to pay me. But so is Rick's plumbing and so is Jane's plumbing and so is John's yeah. plumbing. They're all going to pay me. But what you want is you want the best staff, but they all want the best staff too. Mm. So now I'm just going to go price shopping. I'm going to go every one of them and go, well, who gives me the most money? Yeah. That's it. The same mm. as when you don't, when when you're shit at marketing and you don't understand why your business exists, as a customer, I'm going to go price shopping because if you can't tell me the difference between what what's the difference between a two dollar a two dollar fifty a two dollar ninety bottle of water is, why would I buy it? Yeah. Where why, why would I buy two ninety when I can pay two ten? Mm. Why would I why would I hire John's electrical that's going to charge me a thousand bucks when someone else is going to charge me five hundred? Mm, it's like understanding the value that comes with it too. Yeah. Like you don't get paid more for no reason. Yeah. So if I can identify, if I can sell to my staff why we're here, which we do every morning, every morning we go over our mission, our vision and our values. And every business owner I tell this goes, oh yeah, well, you know, fuck, I don't have time to do that. Do you think I do? Yeah. But I don't not have time. My staff now, and I had staffing problems for like 10 years. I've, I've blown millions of dollars on shitty staff, millions. Mm. I now have staff that the reason why I wake up in the morning is to make sure that they crush it today. Yeah. And every morning they come in and tell me about their wins of yesterday. We only talk about their wins, mm. right? So they come in and they're like, oh, I spoke to this person. They're crushing it. They're doing this. And so we have this in our team. We have this whole mentality of like, we are kicking ass. 
And so every morning when we come to those meetings, the team are on fire. My job in the morning huddle, which we have at 9.30 every morning Adelaide time, um, nine o'clock Eastern State time, because I've got staff who work all around the country uh, and overseas. At nine o'clock or 9.30, sorry, Adelaide time is a reset for them. Mm. They come into work and they're thinking about family and what's going on at home and all that shit. My job in the morning is to give them a wake up call. Mm. Right. This is why we're here. This is what we're here to do. This is the vision of the company. This is how we're all going to achieve. We all got each other's backs. We're going to get out there. We're taking on the competition and we're going to fucking win. And this is why. Mm. Then they get all revved up in the morning. They're like, right, let's get to it. And so they are on fire most of the day. Now, yeah, they have problems and yeah, they have shit. If a staff member can't do their job, they get fired. There's only two reasons why I hire a person. Mm. They're competent and they're a culture fit. That's it. Yeah. But if I'm not building the culture as the owner, and I'm not clear about our values and our values are what I reprimand staff on. So we mm. have a high value on communication. If yeah. someone is a shitty communicator and a job fucks up because of poor communication, I pull them aside and I go, hey, look, what happened? Mm. You know that communication is important to this organization. And if there's any training that I need to do on communication, I'm more than happy to help. But please don't let this happen again. Mm. So I reprimand based on values. Most business owners don't reprimand based on values. They reprimand based on their frustrations and their emotional state. Oh, they fucked this up. I'm going to go fucking blast them. Okay, cool. See what happens to them after that. Yeah. You're going to get low productivity for the next three weeks. Good luck. Mm. You do Bad that amount. for the first six yeah. months, you've now got a shit staff member that you're paying more than they produce. Well done. Mm. It took me a long, long time to learn this. So a lot of mistakes, a lot of falling over. So coming back to your question, you've got to have a clear mission, a clear vision. You've got to have super clear values and those values are the only things that you use to reward and reprimand mm. so when i talk to staff i refer back to the values hey i heard you did a wicked job with your communication with this customer the other week well done yeah i also had a customer only a couple of weeks ago who well they, they weren't even a customer they put in they logged a, a lead form they booked themselves in for the following monday and then late monday afternoon like i get this message and it's like you know, um, you missed your appointment with me. I set up the appointment. You obviously don't give a shit about your customers. You don't care about them. You're just a scammer and a fraud like every other coach, blah, blah. This email was like scathing. Yeah. I thought, shit, maybe I've, I've made a mistake. I went and had a look at the date. The dickhead booked in for the following Monday, not the Monday that I like, not the Monday that we're at. So I wrote back a nice little email. Mm. Look, communication is important in this organization. Mm. We only work with people who are good communicators. Now, there's only two ways we can move forward from here. You booked in the following week, not today. So to move forward, I'm more than happy to do a 30-minute consult with you, but you need to apologize mm. because I will not yeah. work with someone who speaks to me like that. Yeah. Now, if you choose not to <clears throat> do that, I'm more than happy that you go find somebody else and I wish you all the best on your journey. Mm. Done. Because I am now setting boundaries for who I work with based on the values of the organization. Yeah. I would much prefer to work with a good communicator and get paid less than work with someone who's an absolute shithead that can't communicate, who just flies yeah. off the handle and is an absolute wanker and get paid more. It's just mm. not worth it. Agreed. So your, your values drive the whole organization. Everything you do from marketing to sales to, to hiring to staff management. But it's probably the thing that most business owners spend the least amount of time on and then they wonder... Why, if you look at business, 56% of businesses in Australia fail within four years. 84% mm. of businesses have less than four staff and 92% of businesses 
from from memory, don't uh, don't crack over two million dollars a year in annual revenue, mm. which essentially means that the majority of businesses are self employed or they have less than four staff. Now, if you're serious about being a business owner, then you better be serious and you better build the fundamental foundations of growth, which is you've got to build the right culture first as a stepping stone because it's the foundation. Everything else grows off of that. Mm, um, I, I hope, I know I'm giving you big, long answers, but there's no simple answer to just like one one thing. No, I love the long answers. It's bloody perfect for podcasting. It makes good conversation, good content, and also good value for the listeners here. The most of being aware of time, I want to ask one question going off the back of that. What makes a good leader if i had to give one thing it would be self-awareness i don't think you can be a good leader unless you're self-aware and in order to build self-awareness you have to have your own success map so we call it the the mojo map for success which you know it, it took me a long long time to build that map but essentially they're based on three fundamental pillars number one is you've got to know what fulfills you in life Mm. number two is you've got to know your direction most people waste their whole lives trying to figure out what fulfills them and if it's not that they they're they're trying to figure out what the direction is that they should go yeah if you don't have those two fundamental pillars you are just wasting time and time is the most Mm. valuable asset that a human has okay because every day we're a day closer to death and warren buffett said Mm. i can always make more money but i can never get back my time yeah Time, number one most valuable asset and knowledge is number two because no one can take your knowledge. If you took away my business today, if I went bankrupt today, I guarantee within less than 12 months, I'd have another multi-million dollar company mm. because you can't take that knowledge. I've, I've got it. I've been through yeah. the experiences. It's it's lodged in there. Now, if you have a look at most people, they waste their time and, and they give their knowledge away for free. And then they wonder why they're not getting where they want to get to in life. Like yeah. they're, the, they're the two most valuable assets that a person has, I believe. Mm. So in order to be a great leader, you've got to know what fulfills you and you've got to know the direction you want to go. Then the third thing is you have to build the performance psychology tools, not based on positive thinking and jumping around and fucking high-fiving strangers and hugging each other and shit, or not going away and putting on your incense and burning and sitting in a beach in Bali fucking wishing that the world was peaceful. Mm. You've got to get out there and, and you have to figure out how to do the best that you can do and keep yourself in balance. Yeah. You know, last night, actually, just based on this, was really interesting. So I picked up a mate from the golf, the, the live golf tournament that was here. Um, I went Saturday and, and he was there. But I was just out cruising. I went for a drive. And I've got a McLaren. So I was out driving and, and I knew he was at the golf. And I said, look, I'll come pick you up and, and we'll go out for a drink. So I picked him up. We went out. Anyway, I parked my car. There's a strip at Henley Beach. And I parked right out front of the Ramsgate Hotel. Anyway, we're sitting there having a drink. It's about 7 o'clock at night. And I watched this car pull up in front of me, in front of the car. The car reverses back, reverses back a little bit more, and it's about a foot away from the front of my car. Mm. And then I watched it, and it reversed back again. And my mate yells out, hey, stop. And then they reversed back more and reversed up onto the front of my McLaren. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's about $150,000 worth of damage, at least, maybe 200 Mm. grand. And anyway, I got up, I walked over, I took a photo, exchanged details, all that sort of stuff, and I came back. and, And he was revved. He was like, how did you not fly off the handle and want to punch the guy? I'm like, well, what can you do? Mm. Like, what, what? So, so I punched the guy. Now I'm up for assault. What can I do? Like my insurance is going to take care of it. Yeah. Like, what can I do? And, and he said, mate, I can't believe like your mindset, how you stay calm during that whole environment. I said, look, I'm frustrated and it's pissed me off. But like, what can, what really can I do? Mm. And I said, a person who can't control their emotions is a person that's easily manipulated. 
Yeah. So my point is, is that if you're not developing performance psychology tools to stay calm under pressure, to be able to navigate challenging situations, to be able to deal with stress at a level that most people can't comprehend. Like, do I get stressed? Fuck yeah. But mm. is the level of tolerance of stress completely different? Like if you ask an overweight person to run around the block, do they get puffed out? Yeah. But does a professional athlete also get puffed out? Fuck yeah. The difference is mm. the professional athlete runs it in one fiftieth of the time as the overweight person who's unfit. They're both puffed out. So does, does a real great leader and a person who's got self-control get stressed? Yeah. Everybody gets stressed. Does Do both of them get angry? Yeah. The difference is the person who can't control themselves flips out and, and smashes things. And I used to be like this. I've got porcelain mm. veneer front teeth because I got in a pub fight when I was younger, had my nose broken, my teeth smashed in. Mm. I got a, a scar on the side of my head where I got stabbed with a glass bottle from being in a pub fight. I never mm. used to control my emotions. I couldn't control myself. I learned hard lessons. Yeah. So in order to be a good leader, not only do you have to have you understand what fulfills you so that you wake up every day and you do what you actually love to do. Mm. Next thing is, what is the direction that I'm going in so I have a clear mission in life? Like I'm not goal-driven, I'm mission-driven. Mm. Goals, you'll grind and then you'll burn out. Or you'll grind and you'll celebrate and the celebration normally fucks up the hard work that you put in. So I don't even really give a shit about goals. What I care about is every day working towards a long-term mission. I like that. And then I just, mm. I just thrive every day. Like if someone rang me up and said, do you want to go out for drinks tonight? I'd be like, yeah, all right, cool, go out. Not, I'm not going to drink alcohol, but I'll go out and I'll have dinner or whatever. Like I'm very adaptable in life. I'm not like, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. Like every day is pretty much the same for me. I hang out with people. I connect with people. I teach and I learn. I train and I exercise. So I just do every day, but I might train tomorrow at four o'clock in the afternoon and today I train at 12. Like I'm, I'm not really rigid. I'm just very adaptable around that. Mm. So you've got to have your, what you've got to understand what fulfills you, which is based on your values, your purpose, and then also your lifestyle balance. And you should never understand, you should never try to understand your lifestyle balance unless you're clear with your values mm. because your values dictate what lifestyle balance means to you. Then you've got to get clear on your mission, your vision, and then only then should you set goals. Because if you're setting goals without a mission and a vision, you don't even know what you're working towards. You're just working towards a moment of excitement where you're like, yay, I achieved something. Mm. you might be completely off track yeah so that's number two and then pillar number three is performance psychology you have to have tools to stay balanced under pressure to be able to handle higher levels of pressure than the average person so there's something called distress and there's something called eustress mm. stress is growth stress distress is when shit gets chaotic and you can't control it that's called distress now, the clearer we are in our values, the more stress we can take on, which then gives us maximum growth before it turns to distress. And that's how you, that's how you become a great leader. That's how you achieve great things. And everyone's a leader. Yeah. Just some people are shit leaders. Like you said you were into drugs and stuff like that. Mm. You were around a lot of leaders, right? Because they, they're convincing you, hey, man, you should just do this and you should. So they're yeah. leading you. They're just leading you into, they're leading you off the cliff. Yeah. So most people lead, like I meet people all the time that are like, you know, I give my kids advice and I'm like, okay, are you crushing it in life? Mm. Oh, no, but I want the best for them. Kids watch what you do. They don't listen to what you say. You tell them don't take drugs, but you take drugs all the time. They're going to fucking probably take drugs. Yeah. You tell them don't drink, but you're drinking all the time. They're probably going to drink. Like, Literally. They're, they're, they're watching what you do and they're replicating. Mm. They listen to how you communicate. 
you know, my dad was in this uh, recent conflict in business. So he's a, a small business owner and he's in this conflict with another, another person. Right. And I said to him, I'm like, how did you learn how to communicate? And he's like, well, off my parents. And I said, do you think they're good communicators? And he goes, well, no. And I said, well, how do you think he learned how to communicate? Mm. Well, off his parents. And I said, do you think he's a good communicator? And he goes, no, he's fucking shit. And I said, so you essentially got a shit communicator communicating with a shit communicator. And now you wonder why there's conflict. Mm. But you just replicated what your parents taught you. And then you think that that's communication. Yeah. He's never done a course on communication. Yeah, he spends most of his day communicating with people. And then mm. he wonders why he has fucking problems with people. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like humans replicate. And a lot of the time we replicate people that we look up to, but without even realizing that maybe the people we're looking up to or learning off of or, or replicating their skill sets, like our parents or our teachers at school or the kids around us who picked on us and we're trying to adapt our behavior for those people and fit in. Mm. We might actually be walking ourselves off a cliff and being absolutely miserable because we're being led by people that we shouldn't be led by. Yeah. I, I hope that helps. Like, man, this, that's this, like you know, a mic I'm, drop. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, I just, I could talk all day about this stuff, but you know, yeah, you just tell me to shut up or just change the subject. Yeah, no, that's epic. It, like, it's like you access to too familiar with Steve Cutler's work. No, never come across it. So Stephen Kotler, he's a research journalist around neuroscience and he's done a couple of books around neuroscience and especially flow state. But I can see that within you now, just tap into that flow state and flying. It's good to see. I love it. It all has to do with values. Like I've done a lot yeah. of study. I haven't come across his work. I don't think I may have, um, yeah. but on flow state, but flow state is essentially living your values. Yeah. When you live your values, you're in flow. When you're out of them, you won't be in flow. So mm -hmm. it's that simple. You can try and do all the meditation and shit you want, but if yeah. you get a business owner who tries to meditate and their business is doing shit, it's extremely tough. Yeah. Exactly. So like, this is all the stuff that I teach because I tr I've tried out most things and yeah. I, can, I can tell you right now, the right tool at the right time works, mm. but the right tool at the wrong time doesn't work. And like a lot of people do meditation, but it just makes them more crazy when they're already wound up. So yeah. you've got to have different tools you use at different times. And they're saying that, how can people find the work that you do and connect with you to potentially work with you or get more information from the work you do? Um, like everything, if someone wants to find something, it's not that hard. Like I've, yeah. I have people who go to my Instagram page and they're like, where can I find your podcast? I'm like in the fucking link at the top of the page, dude. Like how hard is it to like, you know, like if you can't, if you couldn't have figured that out, like, yeah, man, let's, you're starting at like ground level. Like you're, yeah. you're in reception at school, my friend. Um, but yeah, look, if people want to find me, just go to Google and type in Michael Mojo and, and our web pages will come up. Um, I don't know what else will come up as well, but yeah. Um, Facebook, social media, like I'm pretty active. I've got uh, a business group. So for business owners, I've got a business group called uh, No BS Business Hacks. Um, and I drop content in there consistently. Like I just launched uh, a new uh, downloadable book, um, mm. which is all on like hiring staff and setting up the right culture and stuff like that. Um, so that's the No BS Business Hacks Facebook group. Um, on Instagram, Facebook, if you just type in Michael Mojo double zero, it comes up with my accounts. Uh, they're verified. So yeah, you'll know the difference between mine and all the scammers that are trying to sell you crypto and yeah. foreign exchange trading shit. That's, that's <laughs> the um, but yeah, so um, you can do that. The website is themojomaster.com.au, although we are launching a new website with a new domain, but you'll be able to find that. Uh, my podcast is The Underestimated Entrepreneur on any social platform. Um, yeah, but if anyone's got any questions, like they're more than happy to reach out. Like I try and get back to as many people as I can. Um, so yeah.
I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Remember to tune in tomorrow for the next part of this four-part series. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate this podcast by clicking the stars on the podcast home screen and follow to get notified for when new episodes drop.